Oh, hey, church. How are you? Good. Aren't we blessed? <laughs> oh, it's good. It's good to be back. Uh, it was a bit over a year ago that I preached my first sermon at Hills. So it's so good that they keep having me back. I must, I must be doing too much wrong. Um, yeah, I'm just, uh, just really privileged. Uh, this has probably been the most nervous I've been in any preach. Um, and Dave gave me this. Uh, he said, oh, you want to preach? I said, yep. Uh, he said, cool, this is, the, this is the one you're preaching on. I said, okay, wow, that's a big one. Uh, but he gave me three months to do it. Dave, I did it in the last two weeks. I just want to let you know that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what happened, Dave. I don't know what happened. But thank you, brother. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, we are in chapter in John chapter 14 today. Um, it's a big one. Uh, it's part of the I Am series. And um, I think he has made some bold statements. All of the I Ams are pretty bold, especially when we look at the history of what the I Am statement means. But what I think, in my opinion, this is the boldest of statements, not only for those times, but for these times. Could you imagine if he came out and said this today, what would happen with cancel culture on Twitter? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what? No, there's so many ways. Oh, there's so many truths. Truth subjective. Uh, no, I have life. This is life giving. He is saying it so boldly here. Um, and I wanted to start first in, in John 20, verse 31. John is basically telling us why he's written this book. He says it very clearly. He says, These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life. And like Nate said before, it's not by anything we are doing. It's simply by believing. So I don't know how people can get upset. I don't get it. I'm like, this is really simple. It actually saddens my heart where people go, oh, that's not the way. That's not the way. This is all, there's all these other ways. I'm like, man, this is the only way. Amen. Cool. All right. So let's look. In Exodus 3, when God calls himself the I Am, it's a pivotal moment in redemptive history. Why? Because God is revealing himself to his people and he comes to redeem them out of exile and lead them into a new life. God, his name discloses who he, who he is and what he is like. He is the I Am, the eternal, the unchanging, the self-existent, the infinite, the glorious, in every way above and beyond all created things. He is God. So when Jesus comes down all this time later and he applies the title I Am, that to the people, to the current audience that he's walking with, that is massive. In John 8, 58, he is telling them, I am. So to them, they're going, well, he's saying he is God. So when people say to me, uh, like, especially, I don't know if you don't know me, but if you don't know me, I used to be a Muslim. And in Islam, they say to me, you know, where does God say, uh, Jesus say that I am God? This is where he's saying, I am God. There's no other way to look. He's saying it clearly. He's not a helper. He's not a great teacher, but he is the divine, eternal, pre-existent, infinite, perfect being. He is God incarnate. He is Israel's God. He is greater than Moses because he is the God of Moses. And he has life in himself 
And because he has life in himself, he can give life to us. Blew my mind. So this was massive. This was, I mean, it wasn't, a, you know, people go, how can you talk for 40 minutes? I'm like, man, it's, I can talk for like hours. On, so it's actually about me bringing it down to 40 minutes. Oh, reminder, timer. Okay. <laughs> I snuck it in for Miss, uh, Miss Jolly over here. Okay. So the Jews knew taking on this title was such a massive claim. That is why they wanted to kill him. That is ultimately why he died, because he was claiming that he was God. Okay, let's not forget it. So I got a nice little statement from a guy called, you may have heard of C.S. Lewis. This basically ties up exactly what John 14 is about. So I'm going to read it out to you. I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that often people say about him, him being Jesus. I am ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim as God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg. <laughs> Funny, C.S. Lewis, he was actually being prophetic because there's people out there today saying much similar things. I'm not going there today, but I'm just saying. Or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being some great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Okay, that's it for today. Great. <laughs> like, really? What much more do we need to say? He said, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the light of the world. He said, I am the gate for the sheep. He said, I am the good shepherd. He Last week, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Next week, I don't want to break it for you, but he's going to say, I am the vine. And today, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Man today is basically searching for three things. Some direction, the way. Something that is real, the truth. And something that will last forever, the life. And Jesus sums it all up in one verse. Let's pray. Uh, Father, today as we read this short passage, there are a lot of powerful things in it. I pray that you uh, just really highlight the things you want me to say. I see Jesus in his humanity and walking in total freedom in a world that is bound by sin and darkness. That is the way I want to live my life today. I know that there is freedom when we walk in righteousness. So today, give us a heart to be diligent, to walk in that freedom. Give us a heart to love every command from you. They are commands that release blessing. They release hope. They release freedom. And I know that when we are obedient to your words, they come with promises that increases our love for you and our faith in you. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as I was saying, I grew up as a Muslim. I do laugh and I say a no pork Muslim because we did all these other things, but we just didn't eat pork. And that kept us strong to the faith. And I know there's people out there and they laugh, but that's what we did. Okay. Okay. 
Um, as a Muslim, we loved Jesus. Don't forget this. They love Jesus. But they don't think he is the son of God. There is actually a verse in the Quran that says, Lam yalad walam yulad. He has not been born, uh, begotten and he's not had a son. Like that's literally what the verse says. But he holds them as the highest prophet in Islam. Higher than Muhammad. He's mentioned way more times than Muhammad. Okay? Just letting you know that. And six years ago, God showed up in my life and showed me who he was. He showed me he was the way, the truth, and the life before I even knew he was the way, the truth, and the life. I had no idea, actually. So it's just funny that I get to preach on this. Well, it's, yeah. By his grace, through faith, he has saved me, not through my works. And I'll tell you a bit about this, but we have done so much through our works. My wife and I supporting me and going through man. Nothing worked until we came to God and until I gave my life to Jesus, right? It, I mean, it is so good, man. It is so good. And sometimes I feel like we get a bit comfortable and, you know, we don't realize how good we have it. But I just want you to show, I did come across something in my research that has blown my mind because I love signs. You may love it, you may not. Hey, I love it, so I'm going to share it with you because i got the microphone. So... <laughs> This shows us that this was not a knee-jerk reaction to the world, that God had planned sending Himself down as His Son Jesus to redeem us from the very beginning. And it is in the first 10 names of the men in the Bible. So from Adam to Noah, okay? They've taken each of their names and they've given meaning to each of their names. And then they've put that in a sentence. So I'm just gonna be quick here because I know I'm on time. This is what the sentence reads out to say. You ready? Man puts on mortality as his dwelling, so the praiseworthy God shall come down to teach that at his extent of time, the lost may have peace and rest. Are you joking? Are you joking? I couldn't believe that. I, I, I've written that. I might even get that tattooed. I don't know. Like, really? How can you make this up? How can they say this was by man? It can't be, right? So let's start. Um, Jesus is comforting His disciples in 14 verse 1. He starts with, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Bless you. Now, why does He say that? He starts with don't let your heart be troubled because they were going through trouble. They'd just been walking together for three years and now he's telling him, I'm leaving you. He's just denied, uh, Peter has just told Peter that you're actually gonna deny me. You're telling me you're my homie for life, but you're actually gonna die, deny me before the rooster crows three times. He's just washed their feet as a servant. He's telling them he's the Messiah. They've walked with him for all this time. He's just said that one of the close 12 he has chosen is going to betray him. And he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. So he's not saying we're not gonna have trouble. He's basically, this is a reflection for our world too. There's going to be trouble. When we live in the world, there's going to be trouble. You cannot avoid it. But he's saying, don't let it sit in your heart. He never said it was gonna be easy. But what he will reveal to us through this chapter is that we will never be alone. The real love he brings into our lives is the security for our lives and the relationships he reveals to us, he wants us to have with the Father. He says, my Father's house has many rooms. 
If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. He's preparing a way because he already knows the way because he's already been there. He's saying a mansion, why? Because as fellow brothers and sisters of Christ, we get to live in the same house. That should blow your mind, church. You understand? If you truly think Jesus is who He is, that should blow your mind. The nicest house you've ever pictured. I've been tree lopping with my mate uh, over the past few months and we've seen some beautiful homes. Times that by a thousand and then times that again by a thousand and we're still not at the mansion that we're going to be living in with Jesus. We can't even fathom it, okay? Back in those days, you weren't allowed to call people your brother and sister because if you did, they would have uh, the right to things that you owned. So it's not like today, hey bro, hey bro. That's not how it was, okay? Basically, if you're calling someone brother or sister, that would mean you, they have a right to your inheritance. And He's calling us brothers and sisters. Yeah. God is the Father in heaven, right? Heaven is the Father's house and He has adopted us into His family. So there's gonna be a great big family reunion up in heaven without the annoying auntie or uncle. Now, I'm not saying your annoying auntie and uncle won't be in heaven. God forbid, I hope they are, but they're just not gonna be annoying there. It's fantastic. You get the best of both worlds. <laughs> I always think of the worst days and the worst moments and the worst things that have happened. And then I think of a little second of eternity. And I think all of that's gonna mean nothing. Nothing, a little speck of eternity is gonna wipe all that away. It's sort of like what they say about childbirth. Now, I don't know this personally, but this is what I've been told. You know, like the pain of the child, even the pregnancy, like, oh, and then you have your baby, you just forget everything. Oh. Like you don't forget, forget, I know. <laughs> but if you fully remembered, you probably would never have another one, true? Like, let's be real. You'd be like, oh, if you remembered every detail, and that's what he does for us here. He says, you know the place to where I'm going. And this is the best part. Thomas says, uh, nah, bro, we don't. Where, where are you going? I'd picture these Arabs talking. It's so funny in my head, okay? I'm like, what do you mean? I don't know where you're going. <laughs> He's, and he, Thomas asked the question that I think everyone else was thinking, but they're not asking. They're like, oh, do we know the place? So he asked, and Jesus goes, bro, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. Thomas, are you serious? Don't you know you've been walking with me for months now? He says, if you really knew me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do, not, you do know Him and you have seen Him. What's he saying? The Father is in me, I am in the Father. You see me, you see the Father. Guess what Philip says the very next line? Well, you should have your Bible open, you should know, but he says, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. I am just picture Jesus like all the time. Like this is what we are doing though. This is our heart too. But when we read this, we go, Philip, you idiot, what are you doing? He's just said, but we do that in our own lives. Oh, show us the Father. Yeah, we forget the blessings He's already given us. And we go, oh, just one more thing, Lord, just one more thing. And here he is, he goes, don't you know me, Philip? Even if the, after I've been with you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Do you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? 
Do you believe that? Do we believe that? Because if we did believe that, we would know that He doesn't speak on His own authority, but on the Father, and He is doing the Father's work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Jesus has been saying several times that He's going away, that His people can't follow Him. And now He gives the disciples a picture about what He's talking about. He's going away and He's preparing the way. He is the way. He has to go away. It's confusing for Thomas and Philip. They're like, what do you mean? No, I don't get it. What is this place? It is the place of the Father and we get to go and live with the Father. And how do we get there? Through Jesus. There is no other way. He says, what what he says we need to take seriously. He came from the Father. No one else did. We need to listen because what he speaks is truth because he is truth. There's a guy called Thomas A. Kempis and he said, without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. And without the life, there is no living. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We live in a world where we don't even know truth anymore. Things say, people say things to me and I go, yeah, whatever. Like, and I'm not meaning to do that in a bad way. I'm just like, is that really true? I have seen video with my own eyes and then they show you what the actual video is and it's nothing of what the video they're showing is. Like we saw this video, a, a boy was walking across like what looked like a little ledge and there was a waterfall underneath. And I said, what sort of irresponsible parent is this? And he's just filming this little kid. And then they show you it's a footpath. You see what I'm saying? So the kid's just walking on the footpath, but they cut it out and they edit it and they make it like he's walking on a ledge. The world is basically, well, the enemy I know is distracting us. He's creating doubt. He's attacking identity. He's attacking masculinity. He is the deceiver. He wants us to be confused. He even confused Adam and Eve. He said, did God really say that? He's, He's revealed it to us in the Bible, man. The Word, the truth, it's right there. People seem to be so worried about saving lives and human rights and freedom, but then don't worry about the millions of babies dying each year. Blows my mind. Makes no sense. Hear me, I want to love people. We are not called to offend people, but we are called to speak the truth and the truth will offend. But it has to come from a place of love, a posture of obedience and love. Like he's, uh, Robin was saying before, when the father tells the son off, it doesn't mean like, I don't love you anymore. It's like, this is what is good for you. And I know because I'm your father. That's the heavenly father. That's the posture we want, church. Not just as a person, but as a church. Jesus says he is the only way. People get annoyed and upset because it's not exclusive. I mean, it is exclusive. It's not inclusive. Everyone, it's all about inclusion, right? But Jesus is the most inclusive of all. It's an inclusive exclusivity. Yeah, I thought you'd like that one, church. (laughs) There are so many ways that we can come to Jesus, but only one way we can come to heaven, and that is through Jesus. There's so many ways. Each and every, you look around, the person next to you, they didn't come to Jesus the same way you did. Robin came at 11. I came at 35, five years ago. Oh, it's coming on six years in, in a couple of months. Six years rolling with the Lord. How good. Praise God. Praise God. If, yeah, amen. Clap to that for me, not me. But if we know the truth, we are, if we don't know the truth, we're not dealing with the reality. And if we can't deal with reality, we're not ready for eternity. 
We're not ready. What Jesus is saying is a massive, unprecedented statement. No one has ever said anything like this. He is the source of life. He is the truth of life. He is the only way to live life. Jesus changes everything in our life. And without Jesus, our life is nothing. People ask me all the time, oh, Sam, how did you change, bro? How did you stop? I say, it wasn't me. It was him. They go, yeah, no, nah, I know, I know. But how did you? I'm like, it wasn't me. It was him. If it was me, trust me, I'll tell you. This is how good I am because I did it. I'm not, I'm not shy to say that. I know some of you may think I'm shy. <laughs> but it wasn't me. I trusted in Him. I didn't even know Him really. I knew Him like, you know. But I was like, Jesus, if you are who you say you are, take this from me. And He took it from me and He took it for me. And He gave life to me, to us. Uh, everyone has an opinion about what our life should look like. Um, and this group of people in particular that John was addressing was yielding to the influence of false teachers. They knew or they believed in God, but they denied Jesus was the only way. John is reminding the people to listen what they're taught in the beginning and to trust the Holy Spirit's guidance because without the Holy Spirit, Spirit, it's impossible to walk in obedience. God can come to be with us before we stand in front of God. God came to be with us before we stand in front of God. Like, let that just blow your mind. There's, there's a lot of mind blows in here, okay? I'm telling you, it's full. Nothing saves except for Jesus. And this is my thing. I would rather walk in this life with Jesus, get to the end and find out, oh, it wasn't true, than the other way around. I'm not a gambling man, but if I was, this is where I'm hedging my funds, my bet. It's all in. It makes no sense to not be. But what am I losing out on? Makes no sense. God the Father in the Old Testament is only mentioned 15 times in the whole Old Testament as the Father. He's always been the Father. He was just, He was always there. God is cold as a unique sense of familiarity. He is cold because He is the Father of all. He's created all. But this personal relationship that John is revealing Jesus through this chapter is very unique. Jesus learned at 12 years old when He was coming to manhood what the Father's ways were for Him. He started to go in the Father's house. Don't you know I was gonna be in my Father's house? He started to learn what God had for Him as He was becoming a man. No other religion refers to God as the Father in this loving way. Now this is crazy. In this chapter alone, He mentions God as the Father 10 times. 15 in the whole Old Testament, 10 times right here in chapter, in chapter 14. Now, I had a revelation uh, about three years ago as I was going into Shep's gym and I stood outside and I, and I felt this download like, oh, uh, Islam has 99 names for God. 99. Guess which one they didn't have? Father. Now, I have been telling people this for three years and I've got a confession. I didn't actually check this out till I did this preach. <laughs> I just felt it was true because it's from the Holy Spirit. Boom, I was like, oh my gosh. 
And that's why it's incomplete because they don't call him father. There's no lovingness. Ishmael, who's the forefather of Islam, he was raised fatherless because Abraham and Sarah kicked them out. Hagar and Ishmael, they sent them to Medina. He was raised fatherless. The biggest problem we are facing today in society is fatherlessness. Come on, man, you can't make that up. You can't make that up. He says in verse 15, If you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. You know, there's arguments in Islam that he's talking about Muhammad here. Yeah, I know. But to them, that's true. But if they read the very next line, they'll realise it's not a person as a man. It's a person as a spirit. He says, it is the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. Well, that line right there should tell you that it's not your prophet. That is the Spirit of God. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. See, in the Old Testament, he lived with them and among them and he dwelt among them. There was only a few that I found that he actually was in them. Yet right now, after Jesus leaves, the Holy Spirit is gonna be in all of the people. So he has to leave so the Holy Spirit can come and dwell in us. And the next line is very important. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He's not leaving us as orphans. Orphans were not looked after back then like they are now. No way back then. He is adopting us into his family. We are inheriting his kingdom. The people had forgotten how to listen to God. And when we ask Jesus into our lives, we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit to live in us. The Holy Spirit is God's Spirit in us. He comforts and leads us. He is a good teacher and a protector and a comforter. He would never lead us astray. Jesus said uh, in, further down in 1426, when the Father sends the counselor as my representative, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you everything I have told you myself. He's there as a reminder. Lots of people give us tips and strategies how to live our best life. But only the voice, the only voice that won't lead us astray is the voice of God. Amen. We can't make out what is true. Like I told you before, it leaves us feeling frustrated, confused, angry. I mean, we see it in the church already starting to create division. We need to focus back on God's truth. In John 17, 17, Jesus says, sanctify them with the truth. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. The sanctify, the word means to set us apart. Set us apart for intended use by the designer, the creator. He sanctifies us. And when we are sanctified, we get to live according to God's design and purpose. The Bible is truth. Jesus is truth. The Bible is God's truth that changes us. And when we live God's truth, it changes others through us. See, I've got cousins and friends that have seen me and they think that it was gonna be a phase. Oh, he's gonna be a Christian now. And six years on, they're like, wow, he really is. And now they start to ask questions because I've never gone back to that life. When I went out with them for the first time, I avoided going out for ages. And then when I did and I said, no, I don't drink, no, I don't, they laughed. Like, what do you mean, bro, you don't drink? Come on, man, like, we know you. I'm like, no, man, I don't drink. That had to rattle some things in their brain. They go, oh, and not through my strength, through his. And so I just keep pointing people to him. And we keep planting the seeds and Jesus will reap the harvest. 
It's not up to us to do that. We're just here to sow. So good. I see what you did there, Nate. I turned to Louise the other night, two nights ago, and I looked at her and I just said, I love Jesus. So I want you to turn to the neighbour next to you and say, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. You know what I mean? God wants us to live lives full of joy, peace and freedom. In John 8, 32, Jesus tells us a group of believers that the truth of God's Word sets us free. When we apply what we read in the Bible, we are set free from our past, from our pain, from our worries, from the life we used to live, and we move into the life He has planned for us. The truth in the Bible sanctifies us and people around us are changed by the change they see in us. And now He is telling them He is the truth. Dude. Um, later on in 22, I like this. It says, Then Judas, and in bracket, not Judas Iscariot, he must have told John, Hey, John, make sure you put in there that it's not that guy. <laughs> Just let the people know that it's this Judas. No worries, Judas. Not Judas. <laughs> I just laugh at things like that. I love it. But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Good question, yeah? He says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. The world is not obeying. The world is doing whatever the heck they want. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. And I've spoken all of this while with you. He begins and ends the chapter towards the end. It's not the end end, but he begins and ends it with this peace. Because then in verse 27, he says, Peace, I live with you. My peace, I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Key point here. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I do not give you as the world gives. You know why? Because the world... Peace means there's absence of trouble and danger. So if we look at the world, when are they going to have peace? Man, I've been praying for peace in the Middle East since I was like four years old. It's actually, it was my saying when I used to leave people, peace in the middle, peace in the middle. That meant peace in the Middle East. That's still yet to see it. Maybe we'll never see it. Jesus is not talking about that peace. Peace is what happens inside us in spite of the situations around us. His disciples faced a lot of uncertainty. Jesus was leaving, number one. They just faced a religious system that was about to kill Jesus and the disciples would be next, number two. And their future was full of uncertainty, number three. And then here he's saying, have peace, don't let your hearts be troubled. We're saying this in the comfort of the hills in Adelaide. Just don't forget that. We're not in Ukraine right now. Imagine that I was preaching this sermon to you in Ukraine right now. I want you to take that heart and then go, okay, could I have peace in the middle of that? That's where we need to come from. That's the posture we need to have, right? Jesus said He was sending the Holy Spirit to continue to teach the things He taught, to keep it fresh in their minds. He was gonna leave peace with them. And this peace deals with the issues of the heart, fear, anxiety, worrying. See, people know that my business hit a bit of a snag in the past four months. I've been working on business for five years and people reached out to me and said, Sam, what are you doing? Just do this so you can do that. 
I said, mate, it's not what I feel in my heart. It's not in my conscience to do that. And I've been tree lopping with my mate and I've had peace. And now things are starting to open up and you know, schools are hitting me up now. But I, I didn't focus on that. I focused on God. All right, God, what do you want me to do? Somebody said to me, you know, uh, oh, does God, is, uh, what do you say? Is God's plan for you to chop trees? Because that's what I've been doing. And I was like, I don't know. But that's what I'm doing right now. So it must be a part of it. There's been a humility in chopping trees all day, working like, you know, I feel like a real man. Like, yeah, yeah, that's right. I chopped that big tree down. All right. I got to the end of the week and I was like, oh my gosh, I realise why people say, thank God it's Friday now. Like, I get that. I haven't had that for eight years because every day has just been good for me. I was like, yeah, and now I get it. I'm like, oh, all right, I get it. You know, even when I come home and I'm sweating and full of, my wife leaves me alone. She's like, oh, he's worked really hard today. Just let him be. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> she never did that when I was talking in schools. <laughs> I think I might chop trees the rest of my life, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, it's good. It's good. Oh, I did want to say this, right? This is the way that God is preparing people's hearts. Like people have come to me and helped us through this time. Thank you for everyone that has. And I've known these people for two or three years. We are brothers and sisters in Christ and they've came to help me where people I've known for 20 years have not even hit me up and gone, hey, bro, is everything all right? You understand? That's because it's the Father's heart. They are seeking the Father and this is what the Father, they're being obedient to what the Father is telling them to do. Uh, through it all, man, we have had a peace that surpasses all understanding. And that is what Jesus is leaving with us. To get the peace, we need to rejoice in the Lord always. To keep the peace, we need to let our minds focus on the things of the Lord. True, honourable, just, pure, lovely, commendable and worthy of praise. And then God's peace stays with us. If we focus on what's going on and crazy, of course you're not going to have it. Bring it back to the Word, bring it back to the truth, bring it back to the way, bring it back to Jesus. Jesus is saying He is the life for us here and in eternity. He says in verse 28, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you love me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. I've told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. See, He's, it, oh man, it's just so good. And the last, He says, um, I will not say much more for the prince of the world is coming, but he has no hold over me. Why? Because he is sinless. He, ha he can't hold anything over Jesus like he does to us. But he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. So even though whatever the, uh, the enemy tries to use for bad, God uses for good. So he says, yeah, he's coming but He's coming so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father's commanded me to do. You see? That's why He's coming. That's why He's, because people say, oh, why would God let this happen? Why would, so we can come to Him. Because if the world, I mean, the world's troubled and they're still not coming. Imagine if the world was full of comfort. We would walk further away. We're all guilty of it. When things are going good, we miss prayer life. We miss journaling. When things are going bad, we're up at 4 a.m. Please, Lord, please, Lord, please, Lord, Right? And it's good, I come, good Lord, thanks. Jesus came down and took on flesh. He lived as fully human. He grew tired. He was tempted. He was troubled, but he did not sin. 
He, was, he is telling us He is never alone. The Spirit remains in Him and with Him. If we're doing life alone, we're not walking in His footsteps. We're not walking in His life and we won't believe or receive His life in our lives. He took it for me and He took it from me and He gave me life. He says we will do greater things than Him too. Now, I, I've been looking through it and it may be not be greater in magnitude, but it's definitely greater in multiplication. Why? Because look how many of us there are. Each and every one is filled with the Holy Spirit. So as man, he was one. He had 12 disciples. Network marketing, they affect that many people. When there's millions of us, guess what happens? Anyone heard of compound interest? Yeah, would you rather have, you know, $1 million or would you rather have, you know, f uh, I think it's five cents that doubles every day for a month? Trust me, you want the five cents. That is what He's telling us we are here to do. And I want you to know, church, the reason why we can do greater things and the reason why, well, the Christian movement is, go is going so big, not in the Western world, is because of discomfort. It's because it's being persecuted. See, really, don't tell Putin and that this, but if he didn't want the Christian movement to grow, guess what he would do? Leave them alone. Shh. But because he persecutes them, because he's attacking them, they are building strength and they are growing under that persecution that's meant to stop them. Because guess what? You can only grow through discomfort, through challenge. You cannot grow and stay comfortable at the same time. It is impossible. Even when you go to the gym, do you lift, bro? Some of you lift. When you lift, you tear muscles that repair. That's how they grow. None of that is comfortable. When you have a good session, you believe, oh man, I can't walk. That's a mad session right there. You understand? So we have to be going through that same thing spiritually. We have to be pushing outside our comfort zone. Why? Because that's where we rely on Him, not in our own strength. In our own strength, we can barely do stuff. In His strength, we can do all things. Uh, it got to a point in our lives where we had tried several things with man. I tried time and time again with my own strength. I kept saying, no, no, I've got it. I've got it. Pride. It's a real thing in the Arab culture, pride, right? I mean, I love my father dearly, but in 33 years, never said sorry. And, and believe me, he had many things to say sorry for. It's like, wow, what a great man. Now, he is a lovely man, but he did many things wrong, but never apologized because of pride. Even when I make mistakes with parenting and as a husband, like I try to come back to it. Okay, I'm sorry. That's pride, man. I feel like I have to swallow it. Oh, you know that term? That is true, man. I'm telling you. And swallowing it, you can't even chew it. It's like swallowing. Uh, that's what it's like. It's not like, oh, I'll just chew it 36 times because I'll know I'll digest that better. That's not how it works. You have to swallow it like it's a big marble. Like, it's bad. But once you do that, you go, okay, I allowed him to take it from me. And I still ask for his help daily. There's not one thing is gone. He is the comforter. We have turned to many things for comfort in this world. Drugs, alcohol, work, now identity, now, you know, the rest of it, the sexuality, the gender stuff. Like this is to be, oh, I don't feel comfortable in my skin. 
if I be this, I'm going to be comfortable. Guess what? Hate to break it to you. You're not going to find it there either. This is what buzzes me out when they say, okay, we're going to have a prayer of, a time of prayer after church. You know, I've got to tell you something. What always buzzes me out is why you aren't all coming forward. Why? You think, oh, I don't, I don't want to look like I've got problems. <laughs> Hate to break it to you. There's a rapper. He says, I got 99 problems. Well, we got 99 problems, but God ain't one. I, I should see everyone. I, I would go, if my wife let me, I'd go at the front for prayer every single time. She's like, let somebody else do it. Let somebody else get it for me. Oh, yeah, you're right, babe. Okay. And then I'll wait and I'm like, where are they all? They're all still in their chairs. So what should we think? Oh, maybe their life is perfect. This is the problem, church. And I feel like this is the problem why we're not growing and seeking those people because they feel like they've got to be perfect before they come in here. So if you can share it with one person over this next week that we are never perfect and there's only one that's perfect and we are broken, that's why we come in here. Because then we can let more people that are broken like us in here. Too many people are timid in their prayers and terrified in their dealings with the enemy. The moment they behold him, they roll over and they submit because they don't understand who they are in Christ and how highly favoured and powerful they actually are. Band, you can come up. Or eagles fly west in the winter. That's our code word. That's a good one. <laughs> As Christians, we are called to be light bringers, not just through our persistent prayers or defiant worship, but by living counter-culturally in the midst of the darkness. Whether we're called to serve in mission or in difficult offices or spend time with negative people or in prisons, we can all step into the armour of Christ that gives us the right to be the people of light wherever we go. Mark Driscoll says something that I really liked. He says, We defy the enemy best by wielding the Word of God humbly, by proclaiming the gospel of peace courageously, and by living holy lives faithfully in a hostile world. But we have to begin today by asking God. It doesn't matter what you've done, what you've thought, what you've said, where you've been or who you've been there with. There is more grace in God than sin in you. He always forgives, Pope Francis says, He always forgives. We get tired of asking. God never gets tired of giving. We get tired of asking. He sent His Son to die for us. He made the way, the truth, and the life accessible to us so we could be with Him in eternity. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And the enemy wants you lost, believing in lies, and lifeless. God never changes. His Word never changes. We trust His promises, and we have been shown through the Bible over and over and over. And we're like, Philip, oh, just show me one more thing. Oh, which way? If you just gave us this, then we'll know. No. He's already given you this. And if you don't know, now you know. 
Confucius say, I am not the way. Buddha say, seek for truth. And Muhammad said, I don't know the purpose of life. Now, we believe they existed. We believe what they said, the world. And yet here, Jesus is saying, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. The other three are still in their graves. Jesus is the only one who rose. So I know where to put my money, or better yet, my life. Jesus is the truth. Ask Him for clarity. Jesus is the way. Ask Him for direction. And Jesus is the life. Ask for abundant life and His peace. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the way, there is no going. And without the life, there is no growing. Yeah, I changed it up a little bit. Look at that, right on time. You like that? That's actually the best. Well done, Sam. Yeah. So do not give up. Do not look elsewhere for a path and do not point any people in any other direction. Jesus is the way. He is the truth and He is the life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, church. Thank you so much. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.